elephants in the room. I guess, did you hear like the, the tapping? Yeah, the it's when my voice was getting too high. Well, no, when it gets to the end, then you start. Oh, so, like, when you so started, I start now. It was, yeah, yeah, so when you started, it wasn't even, <laughs> oh, it, okay, it hadn't okay, gone into it yet. Hi, guys, welcome back to Elephants in the Room. It's your host, hostess with the mostest. Just kidding. I'm not a hostess with the mostest. I'm just, I'm just a girl who likes to talk and who uh, just loves you guys and wants to just go through the struggle with you guys. Welcome back to my podcast. Um, thank you so much for being here, guys. We have a special episode planned for today. How was your guys' week? Um, I'll start with telling you guys my week, which is funny because like you can't tell me what your week was back, but DM me on Instagram and tell me how your week was or leave a comment on one of my videos and tell me how your week was because I like to hear about you guys because I tell you about my week. So um, I had an amazing week to say the least. I just got back from LA literally this morning because David always convinces me to stay an extra day. Every time I go and visit him, I'm like supposed to come home the night before. So that way, like I can like unpack and like get ready for work and like, you know, get back into rhythm. And then every single time I go and visit David, he convinces me to stay one more day with him, which, you know, it's easy to convince me because I obviously just like want to be with David all the time. So it's, it's never that hard to convince me, but, um, he convinced me to stay an extra day. So I just got back today and then I worked eight hours and now we're here. And it's Tuesday night, so the episode comes out in just a couple hours, so I'm a procrastinator, but that's okay because I got to hang out with David an extra day, and it was so worth it. Um, but yeah, I won't I won't say too much, but I will tell you guys, this week was my birthday. I turned 24, which means I'm in my mid-20s. Oh, scary. Um, okay, I know that that's like young, but I feel like from the ages of like 21 and up life just like flies. Like it goes by so fast. And I think this year, like the biggest thing that is freaking me out is just realizing like how fast life is passing me by and how much time I've spent wasting on things that don't matter and on things that I don't want to do and putting my time and my energy and everything in me into things that aren't even going to be in my future. So I guess it's just kind of been this time where I realized like I need to be a little bit more selfish with my time and with my efforts and with my relationships. And I need to prioritize the things that are going to be a part of my future. Um, so I guess it's just been kind of like a wake up call of like, dang, like, okay, life is going and I've got to like, I've got to really prioritize the things that matter and get rid of the things that don't. So it's kind of just been like, a very thought provoking birthday, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, anyways, it just feels like I, I, I feel like I'm 22, but I know I'm 24, but yeah, guys, I'm 24. So anyways, that's enough about me. I'll just tell you guys, my birthday was amazing. Got to hang out with David. He bought me really cool shoes and I got to, um, eat a lot of yummy food. And so that was good. It was raining on my birthday, which was kind of sad, but other than that, it was good. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys had a good week. Today's episode is actually going to be a Q&A slash need advice. So a couple weeks ago, I put out a Q&A questionnaire on my Instagram. Um, and then I also did one on my TikTok. So these are all questions from you guys. And so I'm really excited because if I could sit down with each and every one of you and have a conversation, that's what I would want. Like if I could have an hour with every single person who supports me and loves me and loves this podcast, that's what I would love to do. Obviously that's not like realistic because you guys all live in different States and you know, it's just, we all have lives and stuff. So I really am excited about this because I feel like it's a cool opportunity for us to just like chat and talk about life. Um, so also, ignore my sniffly nose. I don't know why my nose is so sniffly, sniffly. It's depression or mildly experienced it. And it is one of the hardest things to get through. So here are some things that help me. First of all, you have to give yourself grace and be patient with yourself. Like, I think the worst thing you can do in that situation is beat yourself up and be like, why do I feel like this? Like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm the worst. Like, 
I'm, you know, a bad person and I'm lazy and I'm all these things like do not paint yourself as the bad guy. Understand that what you're feeling is real. It's valid. People go through it and and there's some serious side effects to this, whether it's seasonal depression, you know, clinical depression, temporary depression because of an event that happened. Maybe you're going through the grieving process and so you're facing some depression. So just like be patient with yourself and give yourself love during this time. Like do not put it on you. Don't say, Oh, I'm experiencing depression. Like I'm going to blame myself. Like, don't do that guys. Like with any mental health thing, like do not do that. So I would just say like, first, obviously be patient with yourself, give yourself grace. And then from there, I always try to focus on my health. So for example, something that really helps me when I'm feeling depressed is to move my body. So going to the gym, going on a walk, going on a hike, if you don't want to work out, um, you know, just go outside and do something that's fun. Like maybe go throw a Frisbee or go do like a, what's it called? Cartwheels at the park. Like anything that you can do to like move your body is going to help you. Um, and is going to get your mind like to stop racing and like your body is going to kind of just take over and release some good endorphins and stuff. And we need that when we're feeling depressed. Um, and then the next thing that's so important is get some sunshine. Like sunshine is, I swear the best thing in the entire world. The sun makes me so happy and gives me so much joy. So even if it's a couple minutes a day, go sit in the sun and that's going to help you. Um, and then I would just say like, let yourself rest. Like, I think the worst thing you can do when you're feeling depressed is to like force yourself out of bed and force yourself to do stuff. Like sometimes you just need to rest mentally and physically. So let yourself rest. Um, whatever that looks like, if you need to watch Netflix for a whole day and, you know, eat some yummy food, or maybe you just need to sleep a couple extra hours, like let your body do that. Because if you don't let your body rest and recover, like you're not going to be able to get out of that place. Um, and then I would say, you know, seek help. So if you have friends, family, talk, to them. If you're feeling sad, talk to them about these, these feelings. Um, if you're ever feeling in a place where you would ever consider doing anything to harm yourself, please call someone, call a suicide hotline, call a family member, call a friend. You need to be here. We want you to be here. Your life matters. You are valuable. You are loved. You are worthy of love. And I promise you that this feeling will fade. You're not going to feel like this forever. So please ask for help if you need it. Um, And then another thing I do to get out of a depressive funk is treat myself. So if there's something that excites you, like I love a good iced coffee. So I sometimes just need to like go out and run fun errands, get a nice coffee, go shopping, do something fun for myself. Um, And sometimes that makes me feel better. So I feel like there's a lot of things you can do to get out of a depressive funk, but I feel like focusing on your health, asking for help, talking to people, seeking support for any sad feelings that you're having, pray, read your Bible if you're a Christian. Those are some things that help me to get out of a depressive funk when I do get in one. Um, That was like a lot, but yeah. Um, okay. The next thing is from E barely Colton. And I actually know Colton. Um, me and David met him at one of David's shows. He's a huge David fan and he's adorable. We love you, Colton. You're like the sweetest person ever. We got to meet him and his mom. Um, so his question was, what is the best way to deal with hate from others? This one's a hard one because I think we all like to say that we don't care what other people think and that we don't care when other people dislike us or even hate us. But I think as humans, we naturally want to be liked and we naturally don't like the opposition of someone having something against us or hating us like that. Hate is a very strong word. So if you feel like someone hates you or even dislikes you, that's a very uncomfortable feeling. Like you're never going to like be comfortable with that. It's not going to bring you peace knowing that. Um, so I would just say that you have to remember that a lot of the times people's feelings about you is not your fault. It's not your business and it has nothing to do with you. Like we're all very different people. We all have very different beliefs, standards, experiences, preferences. And so if someone doesn't like you, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. And we just can't take it personally because I think if someone goes out of their way to hate you, 
that's a them problem and not a you problem. It's one thing to dislike someone or dislike their actions or things about them, but for someone to go out of their way to hate you and to wish that upon you or to say that to you, like I would say that typically there's something going on in them and in their heart that they need to work through. So instead of retaliating back with hate, I would retaliate back with love. So, you know, don't take it personal. Understand that there's probably a deeper rooted, you know, wound or issue that they may be facing and why they feel so strongly in that way. Um, And then just remember that you are you, you are special, you are one of a kind and people's opinions of you isn't your problem. Like if someone doesn't like you, it's not your fault. And it's also not your problem. Like not everyone in the world is ever going to like you, which I know it sucks to hear that. And I grew up being such a people pleaser and I hated, I could not stand the thought of people not liking me. Like it, I, I needed everyone to like me. And so I would, I would bend over backwards to have someone like me and it would result in me hurting myself And also like the weight of carrying everyone's opinions on your shoulders of you, you can't bear that burden. You cannot bear the weight of everyone's opinions of you. People's opinions of you really don't involve you and they really don't matter. And I know that seems really weird, but trust me, you are you. Like your brain, your spirit, your body is separate from everyone else. And we are all going to have feelings. We are all going to have experiences, but the healthiest thing is to remove those things from each other because the weight of people's opinions is just too heavy. And so I would just say like, don't take it personal is the biggest thing I would say. And then I would say, try to, um, instead of pushing hate towards the hate, try to combat it with love. Um, and sometimes the most loving thing you can do is step away from someone. So if it's a bad situation, sometimes removing yourself is the most loving thing you can do. Um, so yeah, take that the way that you will, but that's what I would say is the best way to deal with hate from others. Um, okay. And then the next one is from someone anonymous and it is, you mentioned a history of being Mormon. What got you out looking for your story. So this is quite the story and I want to talk more in depth about it, maybe on another episode. So I'm not going to go into super detail, but I'll kind of give you guys like the quick rundown of my story within the Mormon faith and within the Mormon religion. Um, and now it's LDS. So for anyone who's LDS on here, um, I'm just reading off the question as it was asked, but I know that the name is the proper name is LDS. So anyways, I grew up Mormon or LDS my whole life. Um, My parents were LDS and they were never super active in the church because they both struggled with drug addiction, but they both believed it and they raised us up in the church. So I went to primary um, every Sunday and my family, all my family was Mormon. So that was just kind of the way that I was raised in the way that I was taught. And my faith was very strong my whole life. Um, because I think for me, it was comforting, but it was also like my means of stability in life. So like I loved God, but I also loved how much peace the church brought me and how much security and stability it brought me when I didn't have that in my home life at all. And so for me, it was like my lifeline, like it was everything to me. And so I wasn't like the perfect kid, but for the most part, I would say that I did everything quote unquote right. Um, because I didn't want to be like my parents. Like I never had sex. I never did drugs. I never drank. I got good grades. I went to school. Like I tried to follow the wayward path, um, and follow the commandments and do everything right because I really wanted to have a good life and I wanted things to work out for me. Um, and so I would say I was a strong member of the church my whole life and I had a very strong testimony. Um, but I was also very, uh, prideful in that. Like I thought I knew everything and like I was open to other people's beliefs and opinions, but in my head I was like, 
they can believe what they want, but like no one can change my mind about what I believe. And I think that that's healthy to a certain extent, but I also think that something that's really important, no matter what faith you're in, no matter what you believe is testing your faith and being open to the ideas of other things. Um, because I believe that if what you believe in is really true, even if it's tested, it will prevail. So I grew up very strong in the church and then I got married at 18. As you guys know, in the temple. So obviously I was very committed to the church. Um, and then when me and my ex-husband were separated and kind of beginning the divorce process, and that was again, a whole very messy situation. And it's very hard to explain. So it was, it was a whole thing, but in between the separation and divorce, um, my ex-husband left the church And at the time I still didn't question my faith, but I actually had a Christian boss who I was working for at the time at this gym. And he had encouraged me to come to his church. And, um, he was a Christian and non-denominational Christian. And I kept kind of shrugging it off and was like, Oh no, like, I don't really want to come. Like I'm a Christian too. Like, I think I'm good. Like I tried to be respectful about it, but I, I just didn't really feel comfortable going to his church. Um, and then I actually ended up having someone who went to his church. She was going through a similar situation in her marriage. And so I actually reached out to her for support in regards to my marriage. I ended up developing a relationship with her and I actually met her for the first time at the church, um, on like a weekday. And when I went to the church to meet with her, I sat down with her and talked. And once I was there, I felt a little more comfortable. So I decided that following week to go to that Christian church. So I literally went from my LDS church, the Mormon church. I taught my primary class and then I went right after to a Christian church. And it was so funny because I literally walked in wearing like a dress and heels. And for those of you who are Christians, you don't really dress up at church like some people do, but mainly it's casual. But then, um, at the Mormon church, you do dress up, um, you wear dresses and suits and ties and all this stuff. So I walked in and I felt a little bit out of place. I was like, oh gosh, um, I'm wearing heels and a dress and everyone's just like in jeans and a t-shirt. Um, but I walked in, I ended up listening to the sermon. It was really good. Um, the pastor just opened up the Bible and taught from the Bible. And I actually got a Bible at that church service. Now I had read the Bible before like bits and pieces, but I'd never really prioritized reading the Bible and I'd always prioritized the book of Mormon. And so when I received this Bible, I started to read it and it literally felt like I was a child again. And I was learning all about Jesus and about God and about the creation of, of the world and everything from scratch. Like it felt like a new beginning. Um, and as I started to to read the Bible, I developed a relationship with Jesus Christ, which I never had that growing up in the Mormon faith. Not to say that I didn't pray or love God, but I saw God as a vending machine or like an evil dictator in the sky who like was my boss. Like I didn't really, really see him as a loving father. And I really didn't have a relationship with him. Not to say that people in the Mormon faith can't have a relationship with God, but for me, I didn't really have one. And so I started to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. And once I developed a relationship with Jesus Christ, I started to do some research on the Bible and read through the Bible. And I came to a point where I was like, okay, I fully believe in the Bible. And I know that the Bible is the word of God. And then to sum it up short version, um, slowly after that, you know, I started my walk with God, gave my heart to the Lord. And then I slowly started to see some of the contradictions within the teachings of the Mormon church versus the Bible. And, um, then kind of followed by some church history. And then it finally got to a point where I felt like God led me to step away from the church and to follow the truth of the Bible and what I believe is the truth. Um, again, everyone is totally entitled to their opinions and I respect everyone and whatever religion you believe in, whatever faith you have, even if you don't believe in God, you're atheist. I respect you. I love you. This is a safe place for everyone. Um, but Uh, my faith is important to me. And so I do want to talk about it in the most respectful way in regards to you guys. So, um, that's a little bit about, about my faith and you guys, as you know, Jesus saved my life, you know, but as far as like the Mormon church and the structure of me leaving, that's kind of how it all took place. And it was a long process. It, It was about, you know, probably about a two year process that all of that was going on. But yeah, to answer your guys's question, that's a little bit about my transition out of the Mormon church. And 
I haven't removed my records or anything. My records are still, um, in the church, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about that. I said, I was going to like tell a short version, but then of course, like I tell this really long version. Um, okay. Here's the next question. Anonymous. How did you and David meet? This is such a fun story. Um, so many people ask me this question and it's funny because every time people ask David, he is like a man of very few words. Like he never likes to go in detail. Now me, on the other hand, your girl is going to tell every detail. So I'm going to give you guys a short version. He was scrolling on his for you page and he saw a video of me talking about Jesus. And these are his words, quote, I saw you and I was like, this girl's so cute. I would marry her. And so he slid in my DMs and he said, let's get married and take our kids to church. So at the time, <laughs> I didn't really want to date and I was not entertaining any relationships because I was focused on me and healing. I was focused on my relationship with the Lord. But his DM was pretty good. It was a pretty good pickup line. It probably wouldn't have worked on a lot of girls. They probably would have been like, what? But for me, it worked because I was like, oh, he's committed he's serious. He means business. Um, and I just knew that that meant he, he wasn't like a player, you know? So I was like, okay. So I responded to the DM and <laughs> we talked for a couple of weeks over DM. And then we actually ended up meeting in LA because I was there for work and he was there for music. And so we ended up happening to be in LA the same week and he wanted to take me out on a date. Um, so yeah, we hung out the first night I got there, I didn't think we were going to hang out like the whole time. I thought we'd hang out like one time, but I literally got there within the first like 10 minutes of me getting there. He's like, Oh, like, so do you want to hang out tonight? I was like, what tonight already? <laughs> so then we hung out that night and, um, it was like sparks, butterflies from the beginning and all the things. And we shared our faith with each other and it was like time stopped and we looked at each other and like, I just knew he was going to be in my life. Um, and I also, for those of you who don't know, I thought David was going to be like such a jerk because he had some TikTok followers. And it's funny because when I initially saw David's DM, I didn't click on his page. So I didn't know like that he did music or that he had like a following on TikTok. And so I actually responded to his DM before I clicked on his page. So after I clicked on his page, I was like, oh, red flag, red flag. So I, I genuinely thought David was going to just be like a total jerk and really full of himself. And then I almost didn't meet up with him because of that, because I was just so scared and I didn't want to get my heart broken. I didn't want to waste my time with someone who was a, wasn't a good guy. Um, but I ended up meeting him. Um, and he exceeded my expectations. He was, um, literally the opposite of what I thought he was going to be. He was so humble, so gentle, so kind, and so patient. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. And we are going to get into our advice section. So this is when, um, you guys ask me for advice. So we're just going to go through it. Um, so Kylie Payton asked, how do you learn to love yourself and not feel like you're lying to yourself? Guys, self-love, it's so funny because so many people talk about it. Just love yourself. Just love yourself. It's a long process and it is really hard to learn how to love yourself, especially after you've been in a toxic relationship or even friendship. It is really hard to love yourself and it's really hard to learn how to love yourself, but like actually get there. Like it's one thing to learn the tools and the steps, but to actually get to a place where you do value and love yourself is kind of a process and it takes a lot of time. So like, don't expect yourself to just wake up one day and be like, I love myself and I'm going to put myself first and I'm going to value myself. Like sometimes we have to literally be beaten down to nothing and then start to come back up. And that's when we learn how to love ourselves is when we rebuild our lives. We real rebuild our identities. We real rebuild who we are. Um, and so again, as I say with everything, like you have to give yourself patience as you're learning to love yourself. Again, you're not just going to wake up and be like, I love myself. Like it's going to be a process. Um, so I would just say therapy was a huge thing that helped me with that. Um, and then 
obviously I've talked about this, but my relationship with Jesus Christ helped me with my identity. And when I understood my identity, it helped me understand how worthy I was. And that helped me learn how to love myself. But another huge thing is to, again, date yourself, spend time with you, prioritize you, do things that fulfill you, bring you joy, make you happy, invest in yourself, spend time with yourself. You know, you have to get comfortable sitting in a room with just you. So whoever is watching this, I just want to remind you that like whoever you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, like you are special. There's one of you in this world. And I know I've said this before. I'm like a broken record, but it's true. There is one of you in this world and you bring something to this world that no one brings. So just understanding that being different doesn't mean that you're not as valuable as someone else. Like just in the media and just in general, like we obsess over certain body types, certain looks, certain careers, certain characteristics, certain personalities. Like we see all these things that are fantasized about or praised or worshiped in the world. And then when we don't fit that mold, we beat ourselves up, but it's like, that's not how it should be. Like, just because you are not like someone you see who's getting praised doesn't mean that you aren't amazing. Doesn't mean that you aren't special. Doesn't mean that you aren't worthy of love. Like we are all so unique. So I would just say like, embrace your uniqueness, whatever you have, whatever you bring to the table, that's different. Celebrate that. That's amazing to be different. Um, But yeah, like also learning to love yourself is a process. And I really do feel like to get there, you have to do a lot of inner work and you have to do a lot of work on identifying unhealthy relationships, cutting those people out, um, learning healthy coping mechanisms, spending time with yourself, building yourself back up. Um, You know, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but I promise you that you will get to a place when you do value yourself and you do, you do see the worth that you have. So I, I hope that that helped, but yeah. Okay. Elena Lindsay asked advice for working through anxiety that makes you freeze. Oh my gosh, guys. Anxiety is one of the worst things in the entire world. Anxiety is so crippling. Anxiety, it's terrible. Like it is terrible. I didn't understand what anxiety was until I went through my divorce. And when I went through my divorce, my anxiety was so bad, like crippling, exactly like what you're saying. Like it made me freeze. Like I couldn't function. I could not function. I could not do anything. I was crippled with anxiety and panic. Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced panic attacks, but I've experienced some serious panic attacks. And, um, that is like the scariest thing in the world. Like one time I had a really severe panic attack and it was so bad. Like I remember after it happened, I laid on my bed and I just repeated, why God, why, 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 why? And I just sat there repeating, 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 crying, screaming, crying, screaming, crying, screaming. And it felt like there was no way for me to move forward. Like I was so caught up in that moment and in those negative thoughts. Um, so yeah, anxiety is terrible. So if you struggle with anxiety, my heart goes out to you. Anxiety is something that I struggle with so, so, so much to this day, even after all the healing I've done, anxiety is one of the things that I still struggle with the most. And I think I will always struggle with. I'm a very anxious person. So if you do struggle with anxiety, my heart goes out to you. I'm so sorry. I know the pain. I know the struggle and it is terrible. Um, but I'm going to tell you guys some things that have helped me. And I do want to do an episode on anxiety. So I don't want to go into super depth, 
but I, I will share some things that helped me. So one thing my therapist taught me that I really loved, don't think in this huge chunk of time. So if you're really anxious and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't face tomorrow. I can't face next year. I can't face next month. And you're thinking in these future times, you're anxious about the future. You just need to like take it back and focus on the next 10 seconds. So my therapist always used to say this to me, Nicole, you don't need to get through today. You don't need to get through tomorrow. You just need to get through the next 60 seconds. So you just need to get through the next 60 seconds and then get through the next 60 seconds and then the next 60 seconds. So breaking it down into smaller intervals and just letting your brain think, okay, I should have to get through this next minute. I should have to get through this next minute. And when I get through this next minute, I'm going to get through the next minute and I'm just going to keep getting through these minutes because when you start to think ahead in years, months, days, if you're someone who really struggles with anxiety, it is so scary. So that really helped me practice to be present. You really kind of have to shut your brain off. You have to let your brain stop thinking. You have to, you have to like not entertain the thoughts that are in your head. Um, one thing my therapist always talks about with me is catastrophizing. That's something I do. So I start to think of the worst thing before it even begins. So like my anxious thoughts is immediately going to go to the worst possible outcome. Instead of thinking about like, okay, this could happen, this good thing could happen, or this medium thing could happen, my brain's going to immediately go to this, the worst thing that could happen, that's what I'm going to obsess over and that's what I'm going to think about. And so she always tells me, Nicole, when you're anxious, you have to practice healthy coping mechanisms. So what are some healthy coping mechanisms, for example? Just anything that is good and that is relaxing to you, whatever it is to you that distracts your mind and fulfills you and gives you joy and peace in the moment and keeps you occupied is something that can be a really healthy coping mechanism. Um, so I would just say to try to practice healthy coping mechanisms and remove yourself. If you're feeling really anxious, try to like remove yourself from that that headspace and just start doing something, start doing something that's good for you. Um, and try to think of it in small increments. Like I said, I just have to get through this next 60 seconds, next 60 seconds, next 60 seconds. And then when you start feeling better, okay, I just have to get through this next hour. I just have to get through this next six hours. I just have to get through this next day and slowly let your brain start to like focus on the present moment. Okay. I've been talking way longer than I need to, but we'll just keep going. Okay. So this one was from anonymous. I'm 25. I want to be dating so badly and I'm super struggling with it. My biggest goal slash want in life is to find a significant other and eventually start a family. I have a big heart and I just want to share it with someone. The problem is I can't get a date to save my life. I'm terrified to talk to girls and when I finally get the courage to, I get rejected or ignored. It's been super rough. I haven't been on a date in two to three years because of it and I haven't even wanted to try recently. I don't think that there's anything wrong with desiring a relationship. I think that we all want love. And I think that we all crave the intimacy and the closeness of having a best friend, a life partner. So just to start, there's nothing wrong with having that desire. That's very normal. I think we all have that de desire, or at least most of us have that desire. I know that people always say this, and I know that this may not be the most encouraging thing, but have you ever heard the saying, when you stop looking, that's when someone's going to come along. When you stop obsessing over the idea of someone, that's when someone's going to come along. Every relationship that I've ever been in has come when I'm not looking for a relationship. And, and that's, I, I swear by that. It's when I've been in a season of my life where I'm content being on my own. I'm not seeking a relationship. I'm not desiring a relationship. And even if I am desiring a relationship, I'm not making that the focus of my life. And that's when people have come along in my life. Now, not to say that that's everyone's situation. And I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to pursue a relationship and putting yourself out there, putting yourself on dating apps, doing these things. Um, but I would just say that the less you focus on it, 
the more room you leave for God to let it happen. And I know that that's frustrating and probably a little discouraging, but that's what's hard is like, there's just so much out of our control and you never want to force a relationship. You never want someone in your life that's not meant to be there. And so I feel like when you put too much pressure on it, it might not result in in the right situation for you. So I would just say my encouragement would be the person for you. You're not going to have to force it and it's going to come that relationship in that time will come when it's supposed to come. And that's the amazing thing about God, I believe, is if something is for you, there's nothing that can take it away. So if God has someone for you, nothing can take that away. And so there's a lot of peace in knowing that if a relationship or a person is meant to be with you, it will work. And that doesn't mean that there's not work that needs to go into that for that to happen, but just have peace knowing it will come for you when it's supposed to come and how it's supposed to come. And I promise you when that relationship does, and when that person does, it will be so worth it. It will be so worth the wait. When you meet someone who you love and that love is reciprocated, they love you back the way that you love them. There's nothing better than that. And it makes all the heartbreak, all the waiting, all the pain that you've experienced in your life, all the rejection, it makes it worth it. And it makes you grateful for those things, even though they're really hard. So to this person, Anonymous, I just want to encourage you that you are worthy. You are loved there is someone out there who's going to value you, who's going to appreciate you, who's going to adore you in every way and who is going to just give you all of their love. And it's going to be so beautiful. And you are going to be so grateful that you have them and all of the pain and all of the waiting won't matter anymore. And you'll be grateful because it led you to that person. We live in a broken world where girls have a distorted reality of good men. Girls go after the wrong men. You know, people don't know what healthy relationships are. People are damaged. People are broken. I mean, we live in a very broken world, so don't take it personal. Dating is very hard in this world. And finding someone who has good intentions and pure intentions is very hard. Again, we live in a broken world. So just don't blame yourself. Give yourself some grace. Um, So yeah, I hope that helps. And I will say, rejection is God's redirection. And I believe that if, if a relationship doesn't work out for you and a person rejects you, just know that God is leading you to someone better for you. And if you don't believe in God, the universe or whatever you believe in that thing that was pushed away from you or that rejection that happened to you is going to lead you into something that is better for you. And that's the beauty of that. So I believe that. Okay, let's go to the next one. Maria McCord asked, should I put my heart and my work into a partner who doesn't believe in Christ slash is atheist? So this is a hard one because I've been on both sides of the spectrum um, where I have felt like someone's belief system doesn't matter in a relationship versus now where I do believe that it does. So I have compassion and understanding, you know, if you're in a place where you feel like I love this person and that's enough, even if they don't believe in the same thing that I do, that's enough. Um, and what I will say is if you are a Christian biblically, you know, it does say to be equally yoked. Now, I think that there's a distorted reality on this and perception of this. I think that that comes from a place of protection for you, because if you build your life around Jesus and you love Jesus and you know, that's 
what matters to you, it's going to be really tricky navigating a relationship with someone who doesn't reciprocate that just because your life, your, you know, your lives are so different. They're built on different things. And so it's just hard. It's really hard. Like, so I don't know. That's a really hard one. That's a really hard one. I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, but I would just say that if you love the Lord and you're pursuing the Lord and you want to make him your number one in your life, that's going to be really tricky with someone who doesn't have the same belief system as you and who doesn't believe in the Lord. Not to say that they won't one day believe in the Lord, um, but you can't change their heart. Only God can. And so I would say pray for that. Um, yeah, so that's what I would say. Okay. Madison Lathorpe asked, what do you do when you're mad at your partner? I'm going to tell you guys what I do and I'm going to tell you guys what I should do. What I do when I'm mad at David is I shut down. I go quiet and I kind of just give him the cold shoulder in regards to my emotional connection with him. I just kind of shut down and I don't do it on purpose. I do it out of a place of wanting to protect myself and wanting to protect my heart. Um, but that's what I would say I naturally do is I naturally kind of shrug up and get in self-defense mode, um, because I don't want to be hurt like I have in my past. So that's what I would say that I naturally do when I get mad at him. But what I would say is the healthy thing to do is obviously first, I think, remove yourself from the situation. Remove yourself from the situation and give yourself time to process your feelings and process what happened. That is so important, especially for me. Because a lot of the times in the heat of the moment, I get very emotional and I get very stirred up. But once I'm able to remove myself and think through what happened, I can start to see things from a logical perspective. But when I feel hurt or triggered, I'm only thinking from a very emotional perspective and from a very insecure perspective because of the wounds that I have from my past relationship and from my parents and and all that in my childhood. Um, so I would say removing myself and removing yourself is very important. Um, and then I would say once you remove yourself and you have time to process, the next step is to, you guys know, communicate. You have to communicate with your partner. Now, I will say the way you communicate is so important. You have to use I statements and not you statements. If you continually attack your partner and continually accuse rather than sharing how what they did made you feel, your relationship's never going to work and, and you're never going to build a safe space for you and your partner. Think about it. Like, between you and your partner, there needs to be safety where you can feel like you can fall, you can fail them, and they're still going to love you and support you. And they're not going to judge you because if you feel like you're in a place where you're going to be judged and yelled at and all these things, you're never going to feel safe with them. You're never going to feel safe to share your feelings or vice versa. And so you have to create a safe space with your partner. So I feel like the way you communicate is so important and that's something I'm learning. So I would just say that you have to separate your feelings from like the truth, just because they did something doesn't mean that it's like a factor statement. It can say, Hey, this that you did made me feel like this because of this rather than you did this and you make you you make me feel like this and it's your fault and you 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 need to learn how to use i statements and when you're able to use i statements that helps your partner hear you because when someone is saying you 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 you're on the defense you're on the defense and you're like oh. and when you're on the defense what are you going to do you're going to retaliate and you're going to protect yourself and then you're going to want to use you 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 and accuse them so when you can like get rid of that and use I statements, you're not on the defense and you can have a healthy conversation. 
So that's something that I'm learning to do with my boyfriend and something that's hard because when I get really triggered, I just get super emotional. And when I get super emotional, he kind of shuts down. And so that's something that we're working through and continually learning. But I feel like creating a safe space is so important. And I haven't always been the best at that in my relationship because when I came out of my divorce, I had really high standards and I was like, I'm not tolerating X, Y, and Z. And I think that did some damage to my relationship because I didn't give David a lot of grace. Um, And so as I've learned to give him more grace, and more patience. It's improved our relationship so much. And, um, he does that for me as well. And so it's really cool. I feel like we've learned a lot together, but I would say those are some, some healthy things that you can do. Um, so yeah. Gosh, guys, this is going to be a long episode. I talk too much. (laughs) I'm always like, oh yeah, this is going to be like a 30 minute episode. And then I start talking and I'm like, oh my gosh, I talk too much. Um, Okay, we'll move on to the next question Um, from Anonymous. I'm struggling to get along with my dad's girlfriend as I feel a deep disdain for me from her. Help. Disdain means deep dislike or disgust. I've been there. Um... My mom, her boyfriend after her and my dad got divorced, um, he had a lot of mental illness and um, was very abusive physically and verbally to my mom and verbally to us kids. And when he moved in the house with us, it was really hard to learn how to have a relationship with someone who you don't know. And so I just feel like this is a really, really hard topic because I know there's a lot of layers to this and I don't want to speak too much on it because I don't know everyone's specific situation, but I will just say a couple things. Number one, you get to choose. If your parent brings in a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you get to choose what your relationship should look like with that person. There shouldn't be force for that person to have a certain title or closeness to you from your parent. I don't feel like that's fair. That's my opinion. Um, And then I would say the second thing is the most unhealthy thing a parent can do is to put a partner against you. So you should never feel like you're having to fight for attention from your parent's partner. That's just not fair to you because it's a different relationship. A relationship with a child and a relationship with a partner is different. And so you should never feel like you have to fight for that attention. And so I don't feel like that's fair. And then I would just say that If you're struggling with that, so if you're feeling like your dad's girlfriend doesn't like you, first of all, that's not your problem. There's nothing wrong with you. And second of all, I would say that it is your dad's responsibility if you are still living in the house and, you know, he is your legal guardian to protect you and to not put you in a situation to be hurt. So he needs to go out of his way to make sure that there's healthy boundaries with his girlfriend, um, and that you feel safe and loved. So I would say that that is the most ideal situation. So if you're struggling, I would say to try to communicate with your dad. Um, and if he doesn't receive that, well, I would just say, try to reach out to someone, uh, you know, if you have a sister or someone who's close to you, let someone help support you through that. Um, and just know that, you know, you're not alone. A lot of people go through those kinds of situations, but that doesn't mean they're not hard. Um, so just hang in there and know that, you know, you deserve to be loved by everyone in your household and, and you deserve your household to be a safe place for you. So I hope that that helps. I feel like I'm terrible at this guys. I'm like giving advice. I don't know. Hopefully I'm helping. Carolyn Nicholson asked, how to not fall for a narcissist or toxic guy. 
Guys, 2023 is a year of healthy relationships. If you are in a toxic relationship or you are with someone who doesn't value you, you need to get out. It is better to be alone than to be with someone who doesn't value you. And if you don't know what traits are toxic, if you don't know what traits are narcissistic, you need to do some research. You do not want to be with someone who's narcissistic and you do not want to be with someone who's toxic. No one is perfect and everyone has faults and flaws, but if they continue to choose to be toxic over and over again, and they're not actively working towards healing and being better, you don't want to be with them. You need someone who's committed to working to be the best version of themselves for themselves and for you. Someone who prioritizes you, who loves you, who values you, who sees your worth and is willing to do the hard work to make your relationship work. If you don't have that, it's not worth it. Get out. I'm not going to go through all of the narcissistic traits, but guys, look it up. Look up. What are narcissistic traits? If you see a lot of those in the person that you are pursuing, I recommend you reconsider your choice in pursuing that person because you can't change someone. You're never going to be able to change someone. If someone doesn't want to change, they, they won't change. Again, I believe people can change and I believe people can become better. And I believe that we all have toxic things about us, but if someone is not willing to change and they are struggling with narcissistic tendencies or they're very toxic, leave, get out, run, save your time. I'm telling you, save your heart. You deserve more than that. And they do too. And that's why they should heal from that. And they should work on that. And you continuing to pursue relationships with those people will only enable them. So love yourself enough to, to find someone healthy and to find someone who, even if they do have unhealthy things about them, is self-aware enough to want to change those things and to get better and to learn. So that's, that's my advice. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that wraps up the episode. That's all the questions and the need advices. Um, If I didn't get to your question or your needed advice, I'm so sorry. I will try to do another one of these. If you guys like them, you know, let me know if you guys like this, because honestly, I am just winging it here. This whole podcast thing, I'm still learning what is, what works best and what you guys like, because this is for you guys. So I really want it to be something that inspires you, that helps you, that comforts you, that makes you feel safe. And so you know, please let me know if there's a style of episode you like more or a style of episode you like less. Let me know. Um, I want your guys's feedback. So please give me your feedback, leave a review, um, send me a DM on Instagram, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear what you guys would like. I love you guys so much. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for listening to me. Um, I hope that what I said helped. Like I said, it's kind of hard. Like I didn't think this episode would be as hard as it was, but it's kind of tricky when, you know, I, I don't know if I give the best advice. And so I hope that what I said helped, but also, you know, take everything that I said with a grain of salt and just know that I love you guys. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys have an amazing week. I have something really special planned for the next few weeks. Like guys, so special next week, I'm filming such a special episode, but I have some guests coming on. I'm so excited to tell you guys who they are, but I won't say too much. Um, but yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me. If you would like to support me further, you can rate this podcast, give it a five star, um, comment. You can follow me on my TikTok elephants in the room. Follow me on my Instagram elephants in the room. Follow me on my personal Instagram, Nicole.Donna, my personal TikTok, Nicole.Donna. Um, yeah. And just keep coming back for each episode, but I appreciate you guys so much. I love you guys so much. I don't say this enough and I will never be able to say this enough. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. You guys are the reason that I continue to do this and that I continue to make these podcasts and put my heart and my energy into them. So I hope you love them, but I love you guys. And I hope you have an amazing week and we'll finish this off by saying what elephants are in your room. My name's Nicole and I will talk to you guys next week.